With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and... Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ho, 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 and welcome back to the show. And while Christmas may be just around the corner, the recent developments on China's business scene are far from merry. One electric vehicle maker looks very likely to end up on Santa's naughty list for misusing facial recognition technology. Things are continuing to get frosty between the world's two largest economies as the U.S. has unleashed a flurry of sanctions upon various Chinese companies. What's also denting the festive mood is the country's reports of its first Omicron case. So grab yourself a hot glass of mulled wine or even some eggnog as we get to grips with this week's biggest news from the Asian giant that is China. It has been a rough week for the electric vehicle startup Xpeng. That's after the company got into trouble for taking hundreds of thousands of photos of visitors to its Shanghai showrooms without their permission. However, according to China's consumer protection law, retailers are required to inform customers and gain their consent before they collect or use their personal information. As a result, the EV maker has been hit with a 100,000 yuan or nearly $16,000 fine. In a statement last week, Xpeng admitted to, quote, unfamiliarity with certain laws, end quote, adding it collected the facial photos to better understand, store traffic, and improve its service. The company went on to say that it has now deleted the more than 430,000 images. The story comes as facial data collection is under increasingly strict scrutiny in China amid rising concerns about the increasingly common technology's misuse. What's also been making a lot of noise recently is news of Hu Xijin's retirement. The editor-in-chief of China's nationalist tabloid Global Times confirmed in a Weibo post that he has stepped down from his position. Hu, who has made headlines for his heated social media rhetoric, said that he has retired but will serve as a guest commentator for the newspaper. In his tenure as chief editor, Hu was known for voicing and catering to nationalist sentiment. He has over 24 million followers on Weibo and close to 460,000 on Twitter. Last week also saw the Biden administration expand its sanctions on a whole host of Chinese entities, 
which have been targeted for a whole host of different reasons. The U.S. Treasury Department placed eight of the Asian nation's companies, including top drone maker DJI, on the military-related investment blacklist. That's in response to their alleged support of China's mass surveillance of Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities in northwest China's Xinjiang Autonomous Region. Now, aside from that, Washington has also added 34 more Chinese companies and research institutes to an export blacklist for allegedly diverting U.S. goods to Iran's military programs. The measure bans the export of American technology to entities on the list unless the exporter receives a government license. On top of that, four Chinese drug companies and one Chinese individual have also been sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury Department. That's under Biden's executive order, which is intended to combat illicit trade in fentanyl. The substance has, of course, been blamed for the rise of American opioid overdoses. There have been more developments when it comes to China's private education shakeup. Two international schools in the southern city of Shenzhen decided this month to close their branches for K-9 through students. Caixin has learned that the Bay Academy will suspend operations from July 2022. The education institution is jointly managed by American nonprofit organization International Schools Services and Shanghai-based education consultancy Ulink College. Likewise, the Harrow Innovative Leadership Academy in Shenzhen, a branch of the prestigious British private institution, announced it would terminate its plan to enroll elementary and middle school students. Both of the school's decisions came after new rules on private education took effect in September. The move bans foreign-invested enterprises and social institutions whose actual controllers are foreign parties from participating in or controlling primary and middle schools in the country's compulsory education sector. The rules also tighten the approvals for private educational institutions, requiring authorities to issue licenses for the establishment of private schools only after a strict review. In other big news from down south, Hong Kong is joining the rush by global stock markets to enable blank check organizations to raise funds for buying other companies, but it plans to impose tougher rules than the U.S. and Singapore. The Hong Kong Exchange issued rules for share sales by special purpose acquisition companies, also known as SPACs, that take effect January 1. A SPAC is a company created to raise money by selling shares on a stock exchange. The funds are then used to acquire another company. SPACs have soared in popularity since last year as international financial hubs in Europe and Asia rushed to embrace the listing mechanism or ease requirements. SPACs helped the U.S. enjoy a listing boom as over 600 such share sales raised around $160 billion so far this year. That compares with last year's roughly $80 billion by just under 250 companies. Also making the headlines this past week is how Tianjin identified an Omicron infection in an overseas arrival. That makes the northern port city the first place on the Chinese mainland to discover a case of the new coronavirus variant. The patient was managed inside a so-called closed-loop management system for overseas arrivals and has been transferred to a designated hospital for isolation and treatment. Late last month, Hong Kong also reported several Omicron cases. Despite the onset of the new variant, Hong Kong authorities said last week they are still proceeding with plans to open the border with the mainland. 
In other major news, China's Economic Planning Agency has unveiled some of its priorities for the coming year. At the top of the list are ensuring the security of energy, food, and industrial supply chains, as well as stabilizing prices. The news follows a warning by the nation's top political leaders that supply shocks are one of the three main pressures facing the economy. The commitments were set out by the National Development and Reform Commission at a nationwide video meeting earlier this month after a three-day conference held by China's most senior policymakers set stability as the top priority for next year's economic work. As a reminder, a power crunch, surging prices of raw materials and food, and turmoil in the property sector have weighed on China's economy this year. The country's vast industrial sector saw severe disruption in the second half of 2021 as a shortage of coal led power companies to cut electricity generation, forcing manufacturers to reduce production. Economic growth slid to 4.9% year-on-year in the third quarter, the weakest in a year, and analysts expect the pace to continue to moderate in the fourth quarter as the momentum of recovery from the COVID-19 epidemic fades. Let's turn now to Jun Dung for our deep dive this week. Jun is a research analyst at Caixin Insight. Jun, before we jump in, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you do there. Um, so on a day-to-day basis, um, I do policy analysis for international institutional investors on um, all the policy changes that matters for their investment. Okay, great. So Jun, we've asked you here today to talk about all the drama around Didi, which is something that's causing a lot of confusion and headaches. As a reminder, earlier this month, the ride-hailing giant sent shockwaves through markets when it announced its decision to delist from the New York Stock Exchange. So maybe we could start with that. What, in your analysis, led to this major decision by Didi? So um, this year, Didi's New York listing was a big surprise to Chinese regulators. Um, They did not take it well. Um, Within days of its IPO, it suffered a series of regulatory setbacks, including a cybersecurity investigation um, the suspension of new user registrations and being removed from app stores. So um, there has always been national security concerns among regulators and doubts about its listing because DD holds important transport-related data. And DD's decision to rush through the IPO without getting green lights from all the regulators didn't go down well. So because of regulatory pressures from both China and the U.S., um, the market has been speculating about DD's delisting for a while now. Probably unsurprisingly, the expectation is that DD is now looking for a listing in Hong Kong, but that's not going to be as easy as one might think. Uh, can you explain why that is? So DD has not publicly talked about how it will list in Hong Kong, um, but we heard that the company may adopt an approach that is different from the methods commonly used. Um, so DD may seek to go through a regime in Hong Kong called listing by introduction. So because this way it is only listing existing shares, um, there are no new shares, and there are no additional funds to be raised, the vetting process is a lot less stricter than other methods. But um, there is no guarantee that this is possible. Um, So this listing by introduction regime has been rarely used by issuers in Hong Kong in recent years. If successful, 
Didi will become the first company with this um, unconventional shareholding structure to obtain a listing status in Hong Kong via introduction. So there are still many unresolved compliance issues and China's new data security rules for offshore listings. And the ongoing investigation by regulators in Beijing is also a major uncertainty that may affect the company's eligibility under Hong Kong's listing rules. So, June, do you have a sense for whether Didi will be able to replicate in Hong Kong the pretty spectacular results from its IPO on the New York Stock Exchange back in June? Um, in other words, what is the investor sentiment like? Do you think that they're keen to invest in Didi? So DD stock prices have already fallen significantly since um, its IPO. It's dropped another 22% on the day that it announced the delist. Um, even if DD overcomes all the hurdles to list in Hong Kong, most analysts expect that its valuation would shrink significantly. So first of all, there are still a number of shoes to drop on DD, including the cybersecurity investigation and potential social security contribution for drivers. And then secondly, the Hong Kong exchange is a much smaller market and funding pool, so analysts are not very optimistic. Okay, thanks, June, for joining us. Thank you. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lisin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the new podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the China Stories, about a year old now, featuring the best writing on China from around the web, and the China Sports Insider podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.